You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. The world is filled with many questions, such as, did giants exist? What is junk DNA? Does it mean that you're trash? Do you ever wonder if aliens have underwater bases in our oceans, and that's why there are so many UFO sightings off the coasts of islands all over the world? How serious even is climate change, and when should we start building our rafts? Hello, everyone. You may recognize me as Gabby from the History of Everything podcast. And my name is Bruna, and you don't recognize me from anything yet. Together, we're two scientists who explore the answers to these questions and many, many more in our new podcast, Mystery Mystery of Everything, Everything. available everywhere you get your podcasts. Monster House presents... Monster Talk is proud to be a part of the Airwave Media family, home of such shows as The Daily Meditation Podcast, The Accidental Creative, and I Know What Scares You. If you'd like to advertise on this show, contact sales at advertisecast.com. You can enjoy extended commercial-free versions of this show by joining us at patreon.com forward slash monster talk. All one word, M-O-N-S-T-E-R-T-A-L-K. For as little as $2 a month, you can enjoy longer interviews, unbleeped language, and bonus episodes exclusive for patrons. And if $2 a month is not workable for you, but you still want to help out, be sure and leave us a positive review on your podcasting platform of choice. iTunes reviews in particular can help bring in new listeners, and your positive reviews really make a difference. If you want to learn other ways to help out, visit monstertalk.org forward slash support, where you can find even more ways to help keep this show going. Thank you to all of you who are supporting us with your hard-earned money and valuable time. We are humbled and grateful and hope that we always live up to or even exceed your expectations. This episode contains adult themes, sex crimes, and spoilers for the TV show Stranger Things. Also... Grab those EpiPens, because this episode is nuts. It's actually quite unlike anything we've ever seen before. A giant hairy creature, part ape, part man. In Loch Ness, a 24-mile-long bottomless lake in the highlands of Scotland, it's a creature known as the Loch Ness Monster. Welcome to Monster Talk, the science show about monsters. I'm Blake Smith. And I'm Karen Stolzner. When we did our two-part coverage of the Philadelphia Experiment, I hinted at a part three. This episode is that promise fulfilled. We're going to be talking about the Montauk Project, which was a direct inspiration for the television show Stranger Things. 
By the time this episode ends, you'll know about the story of the Montauk Project, how it ties to the TV show Stranger Things, and why it's one of the most perplexing potpourris of the paranormal to perambulate out of paranormal studies in the past 30 years. I'd say try saying that three times fast, but I barely got through it once. Monster Talk. Well, welcome back to Monster Talk for what is, I guess, technically part three of our two-part coverage of the Philadelphia Experiment. Yeah, this this is the gift that keeps on giving. It really is. Uh, I, I alluded to the existence. Oh, and I should say, hey, welcome. We've got Kieran Stolzno with us, always our co-host, and we've got Matt Baxter visiting us today. Hello, Matt. Hello, Blake. <laughs> I'll give you a ride. <laughs> <laughs> People are still talking about that one, I tell you. <laughs> I hope I never have to do that again. <laughs> You'll feel the same way about this episode. <laughs> yes, yeah. Yeah, well, he's a big fan of Stranger Things. Mm, and, me too. Uh, so, uh, me, me too, although I only watched the first series. But that comes into play in this bizarre cocktail of uh, a story. So some some of our topics that we cover are like a a meal or like a maybe one ingredient in a meal. This is yeah. some kind of stew that literally has almost every thing in it. Like it's got conspiracy theories, it's got monsters, it's got aliens, it's got time travel, uh, it's got psychic yeah. control, it's got government yep. bases, it's got everything. So well, well, we'll start with we're talking about something called the Montauk Project. And I'm, I'm going to give you a little bit of background on the people involved. And also, we need to do some disambiguation because there's some things that this is and there's some things that this isn't. Um, mm. But uh, we'll start out. The main characters in this story are a guy named Preston Nichols. And he is allegedly the author of these books. Um, there's, uh, I think, five of these uh, co-written with a guy named... first one is called The Montauk Project. And that was published, I think, in 92. And there's Montauk Revisited. Then there's the Pyramids of Montauk and Montauk the Alien Connection. And then there's uh, the Black Sun Montauk's Nazi-Tibetan Connection, because you just got to get the Nazis oh. in there, too. Um, yeah, it's reminding me of Coral Castle and the, the mishmash of stories. But you say he's allegedly the author? Well, because he co-wrote everything with Peter Moon, and I just don't know how much... You know what? When I got ready to do that, okay, I wanted to cover this topic. I, I was very familiar with it, but I had never read any of the books. I'd only read other people's reactions to the books, articles about it, you know, primary sources are right, trying to debunk it, all that. But the book themselves, I had not found or picked up and I didn't want to buy at full price. And then... <laughs> A miracle occurred. I was at the bookstore. I'm always, when I go to the bookstore, I always go to the used section for uh, paranormal weird books. Yeah, me too. And uh, I found two of these books, uh, the first and the third. And I, grabbed, I, you know, I sat down to read The Montauk Project, expecting it to be dry kookery. Um, mm -hmm. You know, just, just the ravings of, of, of someone. But wow, it was weirdly fun. I, I have to say, I don't know, Matt, if you uh, have the document open, if you're looking at the picture of uh, this Preston fellow. But I am not, but maybe I should. <laughs> yeah, you should have yeah, a look. You should, because <laughs> he kind of reminds me of that character you love. Is it Jiminy Glick? Jiminy Glick, yes. Yes, he does look like Jiminy Glick. <laughs> he's, he's got that thing going on. So I think Matt will enjoy it. 
It's got that big glick energy for sure. Uh, there's, just, there's, there's a lot of, yeah, the no, there's something yeah. to that. <laughs> so, so this is the story. Preston Nichols and Peter Moon wrote these books, but the main characters are Preston Nichols himself and uh, Al Bielek. Uh, we'll get to that, who is mm. the other major character. Player, yeah. Yeah. So Al Bielek's stories and, and Preston Nichols' stories tie together. It's a little bit one of those, you know, in, in the movie Ghostbusters, how there's like the gatekeeper and the key master. And like and the, there's, yes. a, there's a point where uh, Egon says it would be very, very bad that we should not have these two people meet. Right. Well, this is kind of what happens when those two people. <laughs> that's that, that's uh, it's it's exactly. beautiful. They, they feed into each other's uh, madness. I, I guess is the uh, best way to put it. So you've got this author of this or co-author um, credentials. How is he connected? <laughs> uh, which which one? Uh, the, the, Let's start with Preston. Preston. Okay, so Preston, uh, his credentials are that. Um, you know, he. You mean like what real evidence there is? Oh no, no, yeah. no, no, no. There is a I mean, base. Is any, so, so he he actually cannot be tracked to. Oh no, 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 no. This story, if they had just written it as science fiction, you know what? They actually in the beginning of the book they describe these as soft facts. <laughs> oh, I love that term. There's no way to uh, back any of this stuff up. Um, the, the co-author Peter Moon, who I assume is there to turn the uh, crayon scribblings of these crazy people into a, a narrative that can be, you know, in a word doc or whatever. <laughs> he he runs a publishing company and um, the Time Travel Education Center. So I mean, come on, if if you can't trust the leader of the Time Travel Education Center. You know, who can you trust? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so. uh, all right. Well, it sounds like we covered all the important parts. Thank you for joining <laughs> us for this uh, episode. <laughs> no, it's it's terrible. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, we're the Cheetos, but anyway. So before before we dive into this story, I want to do a little disambiguation um, because when people hear the word Montauk on Monster Talk, I bet you they'll think the Montauk monster. It'll come to mind. So the Montauk monster was found uh, on this sort of peninsula of, that ends with the Montauk lighthouse. And it's on the south side of the island was where they found the, the monster. And But it's got, even though there's this giant legend about a secret underground military base and all this other stuff that we'll be talking about, the people who found that monster tied it to the Plum Island Animal Research Center, which is about 10 miles away on the north side of the uh, peninsula. And it's on a little island. And, of course, it's, there's nothing to any of that. It was just a dead raccoon. But um, it, it, I found it fascinating that when they when they found this monster on Montauk Island, they had to reach over to Plum Island to, to make their scary story, not realizing that they were, like, literally less than a mile from this allegedly giant underground base, which is really funny to me. We hear a lot of things like that, Matt. It makes me think of the uh, the Stanley Hotel stealing a lot of stories from oh, local yeah, yeah. hotels. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, from the Elkhorn Lodge right up the road. They took a lot of those <laughs> yeah. stories. For people who haven't listened to part one and part two of our Philadelphia experiment, I'll remind you that this was – Allegedly, a plan by the U.S. government to render a ship invisible, uh, and the ship was the Eldridge, 
And it was a story told by a guy named Carl Allen, a.k.a. Carlos Allende. Allende, uh, yeah. And it, uh, he, his story involved Albert Einstein, special equipment, and um, no time travel. They, they turned on the machine and people started merging into the decks and going crazy and, you know, all kinds Which of things. scary enough. Oh, it's scary. It's terrifying. But in 1980, was it six or four? 84? When the movie came out? Um, yeah. I can't remember. I think I was, it was 80. I think it was 84. It probably was. It it, it was earlier in the eighties, I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. you can go back and check that exactly. Under based on a true story, the um, that movie stretched the story to include time travel, and uh, two of the sailors jumping off the ship during the experiment, having to go to a base in the future, and then going back in time to sort of correct things. Well, Al Bielik saw this film. And unlocked hidden memories of a suppressed participation in exactly the same experiment. <laughs> I hate it when that happens. Yeah, it couldn't, you know, I, I don't want to keep harping on how nonsense this story is, but, you know, it this mm, sure yeah. sounds like a guy with a confabulation type personality watched the mm-hmm. movie and said, that happened sure. to me, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Seen that a lot too. Yeah. So I, I've always been struck by how when people make these kinds of stories public, they almost always anchor them with some superstar scientist. So Carl Allen included Albert Einstein in his story as being involved with the experiment. And when right. when Bob Lazar told his story about Area 51 and reverse engineering alien craft, he included that he had met Edward Teller, who hired him, uh, you know, so you anchor it to a uh, another physicist. Well, mm-hmm. our guys, our Montauk folk, they can't settle for just one. They have to have two. So they've moved the story back in time to the 1930s, and they say that the, the Philadelphia experiment was actually created by Nikola Tesla and John von Neumann, and that, that that's the scientist that they worked with. So uh, I was wondering when Tesla would come into this. Yeah, you know, what kills me, though, is, I mean, they use Tesla, and a lot of the information they have about him is completely tied to Internet stories about Tesla, you know, his suppressed ability to create free energy and all kinds of things. I mean, Tesla was a real engineer, a very interesting guy. Uh, he has a really important historical place in the development of yeah. uh, AC power and all the sort of things we rely on now. But... He's also become a superstar of the the nonsense world, uh, you know, free energy, time travel, all kinds oh, Edison of Edison as well. With Edison as well. Telephone to the dead. Yeah. Telephone to the dead. John von Neumann is lesser known, and it really made me sad because I love John von Neumann. His impact on American or actually on the world is uh, is really hard to to overstate but he was involved was he was a really you know he's one of these hungarian scientists who escaped the nazis and they called them the aliens because they were so smart uh they just made us all feel kind of dumb uh he was that whole in the big wave of hungarian scientists escaping nazis he's one of the big ones he's important for his work on the atomic bomb on early computing just Mathematics, just so many things, and so uh, you know we could. I do, have no idea. We could do I, an hour on him. He's amazing. He's amazing. Yeah, I mean, I only knew him for uh, was it the song uh, "Living on a Prayer" and "Wanted Dead or Alive." <laughs> um, <laughs> I had so, no idea that he had that kind of background. <laughs> anyway, moving on. 
Um, okay, so let me just say, we're going to start talking about what's in the book, um, and then and, and to some extent what's in the books, multiple. When we when we started talking about this episode, I wanted to try to make this all understandable and put it into a timeline and make it... That's impossible. <laughs> Good luck, yeah. <laughs> I was looking through it all, and, and yeah, it's just a... It's just not possible. I, like cluster if. Because, yeah, it just isn't possible. I wish it was. Um, <laughs> but it, it you would end up with something like a... Um, what did they call them? Um, like a, a conspiracy walls with the strings and the pictures. and the, You know, that's what you'd end up if you yes, try to do that. Yep, yep. So it all begins when Preston Nichols, who is uh, apparently a radio engineer, uh, or, you know... But by the way, uh, Nichols is dead... And so is um, Bielik. So we we uh, can't really talk to them directly, um, unless they're really off on the time travel mission, and you know whatever. That's a different issue. Yeah, uh, <laughs> or we bring in Edison. Exactly. <laughs> so he's doing experiments with psychics, and he he's like in in that area. He's finding out that the psychics that he's trying to talk to are all experiencing this weird every day at the same time block of their powers and so he starts trying to find out why that's happening and he traces it back to this military installation on montauk it's like they're doing something there on the base that's causing every psychic in the area to lose their powers while this equipment's turned on but he can't get into the base to find out why so so the equipment is still turned on today no, no, not today. Not today. But that's oh, very funny. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> they just Why left it on. Get it. Get it. <laughs> well played. So he gives up trying to get into the base. And so more than a decade later, he finds out the base is closed and now open to the public. And he goes to visit. And while he's there, he meets people who seem to know him. And then one day he's in his workshop behind his house and this stranger comes in uh, calling himself Duncan Cameron. And he has no idea who this guy is. But they... There can be only one. He agrees to travel with Duncan Cameron over to the Montauk base. And while they're there, Cameron knows every building and what it's for. And so um, Nichols is really impressed. But then Cameron suddenly says, Oh, no. I've just realized I was sent here to kill you and to blow up your lab. But I, I'm going to reject that programming, uh, and I'm going to help you you know, blow the lid off this whole thing because they've been manipulating me, and I don't want to be a part of this anymore. So the two yeah. of them begin to do deep-dive psychic investigations and historical investigations into what happened with what became known as the Montauk Project. And it is a weird story because... What happens is Preston Nichols figures out that he used to be a high-level official at the base. But then they would turn off his awareness of that, and he would go live a different life as himself, Preston Nichols. So it's very much like that TV show uh, Severance, where mm -hmm. he's got two lives, and he's trying to keep them apart. And people clearly know when he's turned on and when he's turned off, and he's not supposed to be in places when he's turned off. It's very peculiar. Oh. Although it's also now the basis for this TV show Severance. So I don't think those are connected, but it is a weird similarity in the story. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe so. I mean, I mean, obviously the Stranger Things tie in we'll get to. Duncan Cameron says he, you know, was on the Philadelphia Experiment ship and jumped off and had to time travel. But it was way more than in the film. They travel 
into a far future where all of uh, the world has been laid waste to, and there's a giant statue of a golden horse. They, uh, the base is experimenting with teen kids and trying to manipulate them and turn them into uh, sleeper agents where they can be activated by the government to uh, work against any anti-government forces. Um, mm. There's all kinds of time travel to the past and to the future. At one point, they go to Mars. Uh, they are working, trying to get underneath the Pyramid of Mars. They specifically mention Richard C. Hoagland, and that's his whole thing, is the, this idea that the there's a pyramid on Mars. Uh, there's not. Mm. Um, <laughs> and, th- you know, that uh, horse kind of reminds me of the horse that's out near uh, Denver International Airport. Oh, it's probably the Illuminati probably put it there is what you're, I think I'm yeah. hearing. What? <laughs> well, there must be a connection. Well, we do have one of the only horses uh, that's, you know, an art piece of art that's actually murdered somebody. So, oh, really? Who did he kill? The artist. Oh, <laughs> the sculptor. Yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. It was. It, it's a gruesome story, but yeah, we call him Lucifer, and he is a murderer, <laughs> and he's out there scaring the crap out of kids everywhere. He has glowing red eyes. Hello, I'm Paul Giamatti, and I'm Stephen Asma. Each week on Chinwag, we dig into the weird topics you wonder about, that you care about. The stuff none of us are totally sure of, like the Bermuda Triangle, Mothman, Consciousness, Philosophy, UFOs, Ghosts, or say Bigfoot. So who's to say that there's not alien species that are Sasquatch? Like I've seen a ghost, and I would hear something walking and breathing. Maybe every path is right. I will accept as a premise that every path is right. That is a face on Mars. Eyes, nose. It kind of looked like Wilson the volleyball. Some people enjoy the waves or whatever uh, crashing, and I enjoy listening to a quantum physics audiobook. I do think there are many things in the world that we just don't understand and probably won't understand. That's our whole show. (laughs) So join us every Wednesday on all major podcast platforms and find us on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at ChinwagPod and Wagon. We've got a podcast recommendation I think will be really fun and or useful for Monster Talk listeners. I Know Dino, the big dinosaur podcast. Studying dinosaurs can teach us about the prehistoric world, but also the world of today. For example, migration patterns of dinosaur lineages can tell us about the Earth's changing continents. Climate models of dinosaur ecosystems help us understand global warming. Studying dinosaur diets can help show the link between plant and animal evolution. Talk about paleo. Hmm. In many dinosaur injuries, <laughs> paleopathologies are the first known occurrences of diseases. A new episode of I Know Dino comes out every week with new dinosaur discoveries you won't hear about anywhere else. You can find I Know Dino on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey y'all, spooky season is here. And if you're looking for a show to whet your appetite for a little haunted history, then I'd like to invite you to check out Southern Gothic, a chart-topping history podcast that explores some of the most infamous legends, folklore, ghost stories, and hauntings of the American South. We've covered all sorts of stuff from the Bell Witch of Tennessee to the disappearance of the Confederate submarine, the H.L. Hunley. Not to mention our deep dives into the local lore of some of America's oldest and most haunted cities like New Orleans, Charleston, 
in St. Augustine. So, if you're ready for a little good old-fashioned Halloween storytelling with a commitment to quality historical research, then be sure to check out Southern Gothic today. It's available now on all your favorite podcast apps. So, in the original Montauk story, they the, the scientists build a chair that can be used to enhance psychic powers. And Duncan Cameron is apparently the greatest person at manipulating this and he is able to do things like control the flow of time so that they can reliably use the 20-year periodic time synchronicities in order to travel back and forth to various periods of history um they don't get into it in the first book but ultimately it turns out that they travel back uh, in time to steal blood from Jesus while he's on the cross so they can clone the blood of Jesus and then pump it into Duncan's body and then have him fly a ship from the Mars base back to Earth to appear to be Jesus reincarnated, which they'd be able to prove because his blood would match Jesus' DNA. What are you <laughs> drinking? <laughs> I wish it was valuable. Where does the story fall apart? I yeah, I don't know. It's like, you know, it's, so far it's impeccable. <laughs> Wow. Remember, Duncan Cameron is not this guy's name. It's Al Bielik, right? But he says that he was really Duncan Cameron. And then later reveals that uh, Preston Nichols is his brother and that they're both these Cameron brothers. But they're also, their consciousnesses have been moved to these other bodies in a different time. And that's one of the powers that they have uh, as part of this program, uh, which is pretty. So I guess, are they really dead or are they just a thousand years into the future hanging out by a horse somewhere? I don't know. I That's mean, a good point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the story yeah. includes, uh, MK ultra. Uh, we, I don't know if we've talked about it before. Wilhelm Reich and his orgone energy program. Um, that which he was an oh. interesting character, a very interesting character. no, what a what a coincidence! A, a Kate Bush tie-in. Kate Bush. Yeah. yeah so cloud, cloud busting. Cloud busting. William Wilhelm yeah. Reich was all into cloud busting using orgone energy, which is uh, the energy that is responsible for orgasms. Uh, sadly, there's more on that as we go, <laughs> go forward. <laughs> but that's an interesting take, considering the importance of Kate Bush in the Stranger Things world. That's really interesting. So it's a convoluted mashup. It's a stew of all kinds of stuff. It's it's really. I listen. I I like reading. Uh, what I and I this is not to be. How do I put this? I'm a skeptic, but I like to call these my crazy books. You know, <laughs> I just I do I enjoy a good crazy library. book. I think somewhere in the house. This may be one of the finest examples of crazy books I've ever picked up, and I got some real wackadoo stuff over here. Um, it's it's. But, I let's be honest. You know, you've got a a bunch of different kinds of skeptics. And the skeptics that don't get into the fun of the crazy stuff, the fun of the folklore, are not the kind of skeptics you want to invite to a party anyway. Oh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That is true. I think – what is it uh, – is it is – it, uh, Christopher Hitchens that had the whole thing, that which can be asserted without evidence can be refuted without evidence? Uh, <laughs> if so, then I guess Christopher Hitchens' uh, coverage of the Montauk Project would be about one minute. Um because there's nothing to back any of this stuff up, but the the guys were really good at pulling together, like from the zeitgeist of of craziness, you know, the elements that seem to be most popular. 
it's it's like if you show up in the Montauk books, well, you know that you've arrived as a conspiracy theory. Uh- <laughs> yeah. yeah, just incredible. But yeah, I, it does make me think of that book about Coral Castle and they incorporated everything. And uh, it's just amazing how many times you see this. And I guess yeah. this is just a thing within with paranormalists just I to, guess. to kind of bolster it. And he's more evidence in He's more evidence. Exactly. Than and just, and, the kind and, of evidence that we accept. But in it, I, I hate to say it's just a money grab because you would think if it was just yeah. a money grab, the books would be better. Um, but, <laughs> but they are what they are. And they do read like Burt Macklin has just gone to novelize one of his adventures. They, they, they are. It's just so... I, it reminds me of like the kind of nonsense. What wouldn't it be cool if stories that we used to do when I was about fourteen in the cafeteria? Just what, what if? Wait, what if? Hold on. What if Superman and the Hulk teamed up? You know, like, it's like stuff that you know. It, and it's just, wouldn't that be cool if this happened? You know, and then like and then Marty McFly shows up because it's like it's mashing up everything. It's definitely a mashup. So you may wonder what does this all have to do with Stranger Things? And I had heard. That it was the well, well, it's. I'd heard that the original name of Stranger Things was going to be Montauk or Montauk Project, and not as catchy. No, and I didn't understand why. And so I had an opportunity to watch the um, some of the master class that the Duffer Brothers did to talk about how they produced their show. And there's a whole section there talking about the original idea that they had, and it was going to be called Montauk. And it's actually... Wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. The Duffer brothers are brothers as well? Yes. It's a weird coincidence, isn't it? Yeah. But they were totally into all this conspiracy stuff back in in the 90s. Um, Yeah. And so they loved this idea. And what they had originally done was they wrote a treatment, and this actually sounds pretty good. Um, It was people... It's a, a found footage. People go to the old abandoned base and they find all the research tapes in a locked room and start to piece together what had happened on the base. Because there's a piece I forgot to include that's really important from the, the core, which is that um, at one point in this uh, psychic chair that enhances your powers, uh, it was discovered that um, that Cameron could uh, apport things. So he could anything he could imagine, he could make into reality and he began there they began to have this monster the beast manifest on base and as a physical presence so it was like being brought out of uh his consciousness onto the base and scaring people and some people were described as being like 12 feet tall and some people as being like 30 feet tall so if you you've got uh kids being experimented on you've got psychic powers you've got a chair where people can go into trances and travel around you know, in their minds and explore the world. Uh, and you've got a monster loose on the base that escapes um, and wreaks havoc. It, it's very similar in some ways to that sort of plot of the main, of the first season. Um, but what the original plan was to be all about, you know, the base was destroyed, what happened and piecing that together from these tapes. So when they revisited it, like after it had sat in the drawer for quite a few years, they had also seen a kidnapping movie and decided to turn it into a supernatural paranormal kidnapping story. And then they decided to make the kids the primary focus instead of the military people. And that's how you get the series out of this. So it's got those roots, but pulling it away from Montauk and having it be in you know central 
United States uh, frees them up uh, in a lot of ways. But it also removes them. It's a, cross, it's a cross between poltergeist and stand by me. It really is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quite a bit. Or, and and, and, and um, Firestarter with the. Of course, of yeah, course, yeah. Yeah, Firestarter's got that whole MK Ultra thing. Yeah. Anyway, so it, if it feels like an '80s mashup, it's only because its original source material was also a mashup of all kinds of conspiracy stuff. So. Um, but there is a dark side to this story. <laughs> and I guess it's going to... And unfortunately, I think it's going to make me slap a uh, an explicit tag on, on the episode, okay? Oh. Uh, and I know uh, everybody hates that. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But here, here it is. Um, there's this... Part of the story was that the base was kidnapping young teens and homeless kids and experimenting on them and mind controlling them and they call these kids the Montauk boys now keep in mind Preston Nichols and Bielik are on the lecture tour talking about this stuff at lectures and when they do sometimes young men in the audience uh, at these paranormal conventions feel like they feel a resonance with this story and may have some suppressed memories that they want right. to get back. Maybe they're Montauk boys. Unfortunately, to me, it sounds like the techniques that Nichols uses to deprogram these Montauk boys is kind of sexual abuse. That's the mm. best way I could put it. Um he uses a combination of hypnotism and orgone energy capture, uh, which, uh, oh. if you recall what orgone energy is, <laughs> oh, yeah. God. So I didn't know about that. No, 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 no. I, I don't mean, think. I had a general no. idea about a lot of this, but that that's disturbing. It is. Let me read a little quote from the book. This is from the Montauk Project. One must realize that when Duncan did these experiments, he was in an altered form of consciousness. He had been given special training, which could possibly have been administered by the CIA or NSA. In any event, his conscious mind would be directed through sexual bliss, what could be termed the primitive mind within surface. Duncan, the individual, would be transferred into an orgasmic trance. His primitive mind at the disposal of the researchers became very suggestible and therefore controllable. So, I'm just, Gross. I don't know for sure, but I'm just imagining um, the super sexy uh, Preston Nichols, <laughs> who, we, mm-hmm. as we said, looks a bit like Jiminy Glick, uh, <laughs> taking people to his ramshackle hoarder house and masturbating them and hypnotizing them and telling them uh, that they were part of a secret government project. And when I do think of that, uh, it makes me physically ill. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. And I wish we could truly edit that out. I wish we could. Very disturbing. I feel like it's an important part of the story, and I've never <laughs> seen this explicitly stated, but I have to expect that if it's anybody did so vetting, bad. if anybody vetted this at Netflix, this may be why it's not called Montauk. But is was there any fallout from this? Anything? There are people who still consider themselves Montauk boys, and I don't think I've uh, heard any of them talk about it being a... Um, a form of exploitation, but all of these, I mean, that could still happen. It could be right. No, 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 obviously these guys have passed away. So 
that's not part of it anymore. But I just his his uh, touch techniques for seeing into the auras of people sounded pretty gross uh, to begin with. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, wow, that is truly a dark side to this. Yeah, I mean, lots of dark sides, but that's it. Takes it to a whole new level. You can go to a uh, a psychic fair, and there are people who will promise to read your aura without touching you. So uh, to not only have to be touched, but to also be uh, unclothed and alone with uh, this guy. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. Un unsee, unhear. But I, I, I don't want to leave it out because it's it it's part of this story, you know. Sure. Yep. So it's, if it was happening, it's over. It sure sounds like it was happening, and I hope it wasn't. I hope I misunderstood all this, but I don't think I did. <laughs> so. It seems, seems to point to that, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, it really does. But that, in a nutshell, is uh, the dark chapter three to the Philadelphia Experiment two-part coverage. <laughs> that one was a doozy. It is a doozy. Um, I, I mean... There's so many books and videos out there around this topic. But from a skeptical perspective, there is nothing to this at all. It is – it reminds me of that um, when – in the movie um, Total Recall, when he's offered the chance to take a pill and snap out of his uh, hallucination. And he, he says, what happens if I don't? And he's like, oh, well, then you'll go on a free form – you know, fantasy, uh, and it'll all be about you, and you'll be the big hero, but you'll be really lost in your madness. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, okay, this guy did not take the pill. But like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm rather speechless by that story. That's how I felt. Yeah, yeah. So what about the uh, the Stranger Things connection then? Um, I, I mean, I can see lots of parallels to that uh, with the, the later seasons. Yeah, had they continued in that same vein? No, no. Thankfully, they veered off in their own ways. Um, it, it's become. I, I, I really enjoy the show. I think uh, we haven't really talked about it, but I just did a part one of a two part road trip because a lot of that show was filmed within two hundred miles of my house. Uh, a lot of it was filmed within fifty miles of my house. Um, so I took. Yeah, the, we saw the pictures. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I, I went. I went around and saw about half of the Stranger Things shooting stuff. That's done here in Georgia. The, the, there's. Season four had a bunch shot out in Albuquerque, but uh, all of it includes stuff shot here. And it's just uh, it's so cool. Uh, it's and it's neat because you can see, well, here's the kid's house and there really is a giant power line behind it, you know. And then yeah. but sometimes things like the Creel house, uh, beautiful, you know, Victorian mansion. But when you look across the street, it, there's not a, a abandoned playground. There's a funeral home. Uh, so it's like, you know, That's it, creepy too. it's that magic of how they can cut stuff together to make it seem, you know, different. I it, It's really nifty. I really I really enjoyed doing that with the kids because it gave them a much better idea of how the fantasy of film is assembled. I, I like it was a really yeah. and I look forward to part two of that trip with, uh, you know, the Philadelphia experiment. Uh, coming out and then suddenly, you know, oh, I just remember this unlocked memories. Do you think that's going to happen? Like with season four, you did get this look into uh, the testing that, uh, you know, one and 11 and all the other kids had to go through and how one ended up killing almost everybody. And that's why, Spoiler. you know, what? maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Spoiler. Sorry. But, uh, uh, you know, if you haven't seen four by now, uh, get on it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I know. it just seems, <laughs> it just seems a little bit like, you know, there, there's fodder here 
for you know the conspiracy theorists or the people with suppressed memories to jump onto. Oh, there. If I mean having having a, a character like Venmo, oh yeah, um, be out there ready to <laughs> levitate people. V- Vecna, sorry. Um, <laughs> I was just I think Venmo may be behind a lot of this for sure, but yeah, Vecna. I think so too. Yeah, (laughs) I agree. But yeah, I I think there's uh, there's so many unpulled threads in this narrative that you could you know grab and run with for sure. Um, uh, To to as a if you're a creative person, it's good to read stuff like this. um, I think to you know to inspire your creativity, but and. Everything ultimately we make is for is for the most part a mashup, and I think Stranger Things, for example, is largely a mashup of you know cultural stuff. But but also influences, yeah. But then you know, so is the stories that inspired it, and then so is reality. You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. our advances in technology are largely taking pieces of other people's stuff and mashing it up in new ways. You know, Mm -hmm. our religious progress is taking other people's religious ideas and mashing them up in new ways. So. We, you know, don't don't try to give this relevance. <laughs> no, I'm not saying that. You know, I'm not saying this is good. I, I I will say that I found the first book very entertaining. I found yeah. the darkness of the reality behind it disturbing in a way that made me want to undo all of my reading. But um, yeah, are you going to read more good. of them? Uh, I don't know. I I don't want to read the third one without finding the second one. I don't want to pay full price for any of them. Um, and <laughs> knowing where they head with this whole uh, Martian Jesus time travel DNA conspiracy thing, I just don't know. But they are, they are so free from the trappings of normal writing. They are, <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're not constrained by narrative logic. They're not constrained. They're very free. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. To be liberated by artistic license is a nice thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't regret having read the book, but uh, I wish that that sort of uh, – I wish that when I bit into it that what I found was a delightful nougat center, not, you know, Nazis and sex crimes. That's <laughs> – Yeah. Yeah. Oh well, I would be returning that candy bar. Um, <laughs> right. <and> the book. <laughs> Go back to the bookstore, take these back. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yes. I paid three dollars for this. I need my money back desperately. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! I mean, it sounds like uh, uh, you've done so much work on this. It needs to become an article or a blog post or something because it, it's just uh, again the the risk the risk to anyone trying to put all this together into a cohesive story is you're trying to take madness and hammer it out into a piece of art and it's hard it's really mm-hmm. hard um you know i'm not saying these guys were themselves mentally ill i don't know i i'm just saying that the story itself is crazy like it can't be true it doesn't make any sense yet it's full of <laughs> really fun and interesting ideas so uh some some of them (laughs) some of them some of them uh yeah so i I don't want to accidentally sound like i'm endorsing this in any way i am not uh but (laughs) yeah it's uh, it's clear (laughs) watch stranger things and just enjoy yourself that's i think that's a better way to experience this (laughs) yeah that that sounds like a better alternative i think yeah but anyway i i appreciate you guys taking the time to listen to me yak about well, this so thank you for taking one for the team reading this garbage <laughs> it <laughs> is how you get to the montauk project five this yeah. time it's personal they actually do wrap it up rather well yeah. <laughs> oh. 
Jesus yeah. Christ, yes, and then some. What? <laughs> but no, but you can see how much work you've, you've done. I mean, you've been constantly you know, texting me for months now about, oh, I found this out and I yeah. found this out. And yeah. It's just been such a circus. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I think um, I should mention, let's see, I, I got the first hint of this dark side from uh, listening to The Saucer Life, which is a show I really enjoy. Uh, and... I went and dug deeper on it and it's like, I just, I found it all very disturbing. So, um, yeah, but again, the first book I did think was just chock full of interesting ideas. And I'm glad that the stranger things, uh, series has been so enjoyable for us as a, as a family. I've really enjoyed watching that with my kids and it's nice to see that. And the fact that they pulled away from Montauk and, you know, disassociated themselves with it, I think for the best, I think for the best, some, some good came out of this after all. Yes, I think so. So, <laughs> Save this, put it in the can, and get to editing. Thank you so Good much luck. for this. Monster Talk. You've been listening to Monster Talk, the science show about monsters. I'm Blake Smith. And I'm Karen Stolzner. You just heard our coverage of the Montauk Project, the incredibly eclectic third piece in our two-part series on the Philadelphia Experiment. Check our show notes for links to the books and shows referenced herein, plus more reading. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Monster Talk. Each episode, we strive to bring you the very best in monster-related content with a focus on bringing scientific skepticism into the conversation. If you enjoy Monster Talk, we now have a variety of ways to support the show, all with convenient links at monstertalk.org forward slash support. That's monstertalk.org forward slash support. We have links there to our Patreon page as well as a donation button. Another great way to support the show is to buy books from our Amazon Monster Talk wish list, which directly helps us with our research. We love used books very much, so don't feel compelled to buy new ones. And we love Kindles, so we can share our digital libraries with each other. And finally, without spending any money at all, you can support us by leaving a positive review at iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Positive reviews help keep us visible in iTunes, which is a great way to help us find new listeners. And please share our show on your favorite social media platforms. Monster Talk theme music is by Peach Stealing Monkeys. In a world full of streaming entertainment, we're humbled and grateful that you chose to spend time listening to us. We hope you'll be back next week for more. been a Monster House presentation.